Joe Biden's rise in American politics has always been stupefying, much like the man himself. Famous for his lack of intellectual heft and mindless gaffes, Biden is one of those curious individuals who has managed to fail upwards. So much so, he became president of the United States. Biden proves the argument once made by the late Columbia University professor Walter Pitkin, who wrote, most of the power in politics resides in the hands of more or less stupid people. There are exceptions, of course. Biden is not one of them. But now Biden has crossed the threshold from clueless to mendacious. The demagoguery over Georgia's new voting law is fueled by Biden himself, his shameless lies, his race-baiting rants. His deceit seems calculated, and not simply the product of a feeble mind or chronic buffoonery. By falsely invoking the ugly specter of Jim Crow, Joe Biden is determined to further divide the nation. And the damage is incalculable. Barack Obama was right when he reportedly warned, don't underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. You've all helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. And now Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. I use MyPillow and I am sleeping so much better. And you can get deep discounts on my pillows, the mattress toppers, robes, slippers, I love my new slippers, and so much more. For example, they're bringing back the buy one, get one offer for the Giza Dream Sheets. I wouldn't sleep without them. That's right. Buy one set of sheets and get another one absolutely free. Remember, all my pillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the buy one, get one free for the Giza Dream Sheets. Enter the promo code GREG, G-R-E-G-G, or GREG, G-R-E-G, or call 1-800-605-8765 for these great radio specials. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. In the Obama White House, aides routinely derided the vice president, Joe Biden, behind his back. They treated him dismissively, and they felt free to do so because they knew that their boss, Barack Obama, had a low opinion of his VP's intellect and his judgment. Ben Rhodes, Obama's deputy national security advisor, mocked Biden as, quote, an unguided missile. It's in his book. Robert Gates, Obama's defense secretary, was more direct when he wrote in his book, quote, Biden has been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades. 
Later, when asked in an interview whether Biden would make a good president, Gates paused for a very long moment, and he finally said, I don't know. (laughs) Nice evasion. Gates was being polite, of course. He knew from having worked with Joe Biden that he'd be a train wreck in the Oval Office. Obama was painfully aware of his vice president's habitual stumbles, his tendency to blurt out whatever popped into his head at any given moment. In fact, at his first news conference as president in 2009, Obama joked, I don't remember exactly what Joe was referring to, not surprisingly. Ouch. But that snub tells us a lot. It's one of the reasons Obama tried to discourage Joe Biden from running for president. It's why he was quick to support Hillary Clinton in 2016, but not Joe. Obama was surprised that Biden decided to run in 2020, telling one of the other Democratic candidates, you know who really doesn't have it? Joe Biden. Double ouch. You may recall that Obama refused to endorse his former vice president during the 2020 primary. He did so tepidly only when it became clear that Biden would actually win the nomination. So Joe Biden's main problem is this. He's never been what one would call a thinker. No one has ever accused Joe of being a genius. Quite the opposite. Ask anybody in Washington. Academically, Biden barely made it out of school. He repeated the third grade. He earned C's and D's early on when he entered the University of Delaware. Somehow, he managed to flunk ROTC. (laughs) Quite the accomplishment. He then gravitated to law school, where he ranked at the bottom of his class, after being suspended for plagiarizing. Biden didn't just borrow a sentence or two without proper attribution. No, he stole entire pages of someone else's work, and then he passed it off as his own. In other words, Biden lied. He did the exact same thing when he was running for president in 1987, plagiarizing a speech over and over again. But he also bragged about an academic degree that he never had. He never earned it. The ensuing scandal derailed Biden's candidacy. He was forced to drop out in embarrassment. But here's the point of all of this. People who are not terribly bright tend to plagiarize. They steal other people's works and ideas because, well, they're intellectually incapable of having their own, and they know it. That's Joe Biden. The same is true of people who make constant gaffes when they speak. Smart people don't do that. Oh, sure, we're all guilty of sometimes using careless words. We misstate a fact or we suffer a mental lapse when speaking extemporaneously. It's human nature. We're not perfect. But a person who does it all the time invariably is not a bright person. And Biden's gaffes, they're prolific, they're legendary and cringeworthy. He's so notorious for sticking his foot in his mouth at every turn, he even admitted during the campaign that he's a one-man gaff machine. (laughs) I'm sure his handlers were standing there shaking their heads and thinking to themselves, oh, Lord, there he goes again, another gaff 
a gaff about his constant gaffes. His aides have tried to do their best to tamp it down, to put out the fires. But, you know, Joe Biden is like a whack-a-mole game. The verbal mistakes keep popping up, and no amount of prepping him or coaching him seems to work. He just keeps saying the damnedest things. Stuff comes out of his mouth that is incomprehensible, mostly because it is. This is the principal reason why Biden's handlers use the pandemic as an excuse to hide him from the public and the media during the campaign. He was sequestered in a Delaware basement bunker. They're using the same approach in the White House. Every appearance, you'll notice, is limited. It's carefully scripted for him. He reads the teleprompter a lot and not well. But when Joe Biden meanders off the script, the unguided missile is launched. Biden's lack of cerebral ability, if we can call it that, wasn't really a problem when he served in Congress all those years because, well, there aren't many Menza candidates there either. So in a way, Joe Biden fit in perfectly. And when he was Obama's vice president, it didn't really matter because he had no real power. He was just window dressing picked by Obama because Biden's age and years in the U.S. Senate counterbalanced Obama's youth, his lack of experience, which had become a problem during the 2008 campaign. So Biden as VP was mostly a charade. Everybody knew it, except Joe Biden, of course. He took it seriously. He thought he was presidential timber. But the hard truth is that Joe Biden could screw up a free lunch. On top of that, he's approaching 80 years old. His diminished mental acuity is increasingly conspicuous. The broad term senility is relevant. People are talking about it. All too often, Biden seems lost and confused. He struggles with words. His thoughts don't make any sense. I watched a month ago in disbelief when Biden couldn't remember his defense secretary's name. So he said to the audience, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there, Mr. President, it's called the Pentagon. It's kind of important. Sometimes it looks like Biden doesn't even know where he is. When he was running for president, I never bought any of the nonsense that Biden was selling on the campaign trail, that he would heal a divided nation. He'd be a unifying force. He would seek and achieve bipartisan support and that his would be the most transparent presidency ever. It was a load of BS. I knew it. The kind of grandiosity that most politicians spew. They blather these high-minded platitudes. They feign sincerity. They claim they're pious, but they're not. They smile and they shake your hand while they're picking your pocket. And Joe Biden is no different. But when he won the presidency, he repeated his vows of unity and healing. He promised to lead the way. It's time to put away the harsh rhetoric, lower the temperature, see each other again, listen to each other again. And to make progress, we have to stop treating our opponents as our enemies. They are not our enemies. They are Americans. 
They're Americans. The Bible tells us to everything there is a season, a time to build, a time to reap, and a time to sow, and a time to heal. This is the time to heal in America. At his inauguration, Biden once again announced that he would heal America. On this January day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. And I ask every American to join me in this cause. I thought Joe Biden might at least make some minimal effort to tone down the incendiary rhetoric on race and racism. It had become so grotesque in the aftermath of George Floyd's tragic death and the spasm of violence and destruction that raged for months on streets all across our nation. Since his own Vice President Kamala Harris had famously accused Biden of being a racist during the primary debates, I thought perhaps that Biden might try to be sensitive to the subject. I even imagined that Biden might counsel racial harmony, propose constructive measures to lessen the racial divide. Nah, he did just the opposite. Without conscience, Biden surrendered to the progressive, woke crowd who see absolutely everything, every circumstance, every event, through the myopic lens of race and racism. Biden happily joined the chorus of those who love to hurl accusations of racism regardless of whether it's true or justified. So now it's obvious there's a plan in place. If you oppose Biden or take any action that he and his minions consider to be a threat to his power, Joe Biden will smear you as a racist. He'll play the race card unapologetically. Forget unity or harmony. Biden wants to ratchet up the hate. Racial identity politics is his new currency. This brings us to the state of Georgia, which Biden won narrowly last November. There were accusations of voter impropriety and other serious issues. Now, some were legitimate, others were not. So Republican lawmakers passed a bill that was signed into law by the governor that made minor changes to the voting process to improve voter integrity. It was meant to instill greater public confidence in the honesty of elections. It makes sense. It's logical. And it's not like Georgia invented something out of thin air. In fact, the state adopted rules that were borrowed from other states, including blue states controlled by Democrats. But somebody in the woke crowd must have whispered in Joe's ear that this is a golden opportunity to fling the race card. And so, like the obedient, unthinking, woke opportunist that Joe Biden has become, he denounced the new Georgia law as racist, voter suppression. But old Joe didn't stop there. Goaded by the liberal woke media in attendance on March 25th, Biden agreed that This is the ghost of Jim Crow resurrected. In fact, Joe said it's worse. It was ludicrous accusation for Joe Biden to make and insulting. The hideous Jim Crow laws mandated things like literacy tests, poll taxes that actively prevented African-Americans from voting. It was codified racism, pure and simple. 
But by drawing this absurd comparison, Joe Biden is diminishing the real impact of those reprehensible racist laws. Not that he would ever understand that. So I'm convinced that we'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. I mean, this is gigantic what they're trying to do, and it cannot be sustained. Okay, nobody knew what Joe meant by that term, Jim Eagle. I doubt he knew. It seemed like just another senseless Biden gaffe, a synapse somewhere between his brain and his mouth, whatever. But it was abundantly clear what Biden was doing. He was race baiting. He was ginning up racial hatred for his own political gain. But to accomplish it, he had to lie about the Georgia law he was denouncing. No problem at all. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. It's sick. Deciding in some states that you cannot bring water to people standing in line waiting to vote. Deciding that you're going to end voting at 5 o'clock when working people are just getting off work. But wait, that's not in the Georgia law. The polls won't close at 5 p.m. You can still drink water in line. It just can't be handed out by political groups as a bribe. That seems fair enough. So where in the world did Joe Biden get his information? Well, he obviously did not read the law. Or if he did, he didn't comprehend it. A smart person would have done both and would never have made such a fatuous statement like that, which can so easily be disproved. The Georgia law is online. Anybody can read it. I've read it twice. It's not difficult to understand. Sure enough, Biden was immediately called out for his lie because it was so blatant and obvious. The White House was besieged with questions and complaints. So did Biden retreat and apologize for his obviously false statement and gross exaggerations? Not at all. Biden dug in and repeated his lies almost word for word the next day in a written statement again, claiming that voting ends at 5 p.m. so people can't vote. People in line will be deprived of water. But this time, Biden deleted the Jim Eagle reference, but he gave Jim Crow a new moniker, quote, this is Jim Crow in the 21st century. It was an asinine thing to say, but Biden wasn't done. He told reporters outside the White House the same day that Georgia's new law is an atrocity. The idea, if you want any indication that it has nothing to do with fairness, nothing to do with decency, they passed a law saying you can't provide water for people standing in line. While they're waiting to vote. Biden's lie was so brazen, even the liberal Washington Post pronounced it a lie. Their fact checker gave Biden four Pinocchios for telling a whopper. It was demonstrably false, and the Post meticulously offered the proof. So at that point, Biden knew that he'd been caught in a lie because reporters started pestering the White House for a retraction or, at best, a clarification. Instead of coming clean and trying to repair the damage, what did Joe Biden do? He doubled down 
on his lie. He repeated it over and over again. Well, at this point, Biden was up to eight Pinocchios or 16 Pinocchios. Who knows how many? You'd need a calculator to keep track. So the Washington Post finally threw up its hands and simply branded Joe Biden a recidivist liar. Having been exposed as a fabricator, which is not, by the way, uncommon among serial plagiarists, Biden was undeterred. He then gave an interview to ESPN. He decided to escalate his race-baiting lie and the hysteria it was causing. He encouraged Major League Baseball to move the July All-Star Game out of Atlanta in protest of Georgia's voting law. I would strongly support them doing that. People look to them. They're leaders. Look at what's happened with the NBA as well. Look at what's happened across the board. The very people who are victimized the most are the people who are the leaders in these, in these various sports. And it's just not right. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in, in Georgia and 40 other states. Ah, yes, Jim Crow on steroids. Maybe that was a clever reference to how baseball players became infamous for steroid abuse. But then again, Joe Biden's not that clever. Nevertheless, Major League Baseball decided to follow Biden's idiotic advice. MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred announced that the entire state of Georgia was now persona non grata and the all-star game would be moved somewhere else. MLB couldn't tolerate suppression of any kind, he reasoned, even though the Georgia law did nothing of that sort. Manfred is unmistakably a hypocrite. He and MLB have been trying to expand its business ties in China, a country famous for suppressing religious groups, not to mention egregious human rights abuses. We're talking about millions of people. Forget that communist China doesn't even give people the right to vote. That doesn't seem to bother Manfred or his ridiculously overpaid players in professional baseball. Maybe in Manfred's twisted head, there's nothing to suppress in China because freedoms don't even exist there to begin with. Or in Cuba, where MLB does business. The truth is this. Manfred, like Biden, never bothered to actually read the Georgia voting law before he condemned it. Manfred, the MLB, and the Players Association appear to have simply bought in to the lies that the progressive woke crowd and Joe Biden were peddling. Now, I don't know if Biden was seriously misinformed or deliberately trying to deceive people or whether his brain is so scrambled that he's hopelessly confused. He has no idea what he's talking about. But once his lie was pointed out with proof, somebody should have sat him down and told him to knock it off. But what's Rob Manfred's excuse? Don't expect him to give up his sacred membership at Augusta National Golf Club in Georgia where the Masters is played. That's a perk for the privileged elite. So that doesn't count when it comes to the woke corporate virtue signaling. The new Georgia law does require voter identification, but they've had it there for years for in-person voting. Nobody ever complained because it's reasonable. 
You want to make sure that the person who's casting a ballot is an eligible resident, not somebody else. It's logical. It's reasonable. It prevents fraud. So Georgia has now decided to extend the voter ID to absent ballots. What's the problem there? It's so sensible that a total of 36 states require some form of voter ID, including Democrat-controlled states like New Jersey, Virginia, California. I've never heard Biden or liberals complain about that. Gee, I wonder why. Maybe they took a look at the polling data. 72% of Americans approve of voter ID, according to an Associated Press poll. It was a recent poll. Moreover, Georgia's new ID rule doesn't even demand a driver's license like many states do. You can get a free voter ID issued by the state just by asking for it. And if you don't like that, you can offer up the last four digits of your social security number, just show a utility bill or really anything that just confirms you're a resident of that state. Seriously, who doesn't have that? In a recent poll, a majority of black residents in Georgia favored voter ID. An election study in Georgia found no evidence that voter identification suppressed or disenfranchised anyone. So the whole argument here is just plain silly, and it's empirically false. Biden's claim about voting access, well, that's also a lie. The new law in Georgia actually expands voting access. Additional days and hours are added to ensure that an election is more accessible to voters. Even the Biden-loving Washington Post admitted the following, quote, The net effect of the Georgia law is to expand the opportunities to vote for most Georgians, not limit them. All right, so try telling that to Joe Biden. He just won't listen. Nor would he ever recognize that his own home state of Delaware has election rules that are at least equal to Georgia's new rules, if not more restrictive. Major League Baseball is as oblivious as Joe Biden has always been. After ripping the All-Star game away from Atlanta, MLB chose Denver, Colorado as the new venue. Did Rob Manfred realize what he was doing? Apparently not. You see, Colorado also has a mandatory voter identification rule, one of Biden's key objections. And Colorado allows fewer days to vote than the state of Georgia. But that's not the worst part. MLB, in its quest to be woke, has moved the game from a city where more than half the population is black to a city where 76% of the population is white and only 9% are black. Somebody better alert the woke police. It gets worse. The economic blow to the city of Atlanta and its population will be severe. It's estimated the city will sustain more than $100 million in lost economic activity and lost revenue. Black-owned businesses, roughly 30% of all businesses in Atlanta, and black residents themselves will be the hardest hit. So Joe Biden and Major League Baseball 
are hurting the very people they pretend to be protecting. That's not very woke of them, is it? Manfred claimed that his decision to move the game was, quote, thoughtful. Well, the evidence proves that it was reckless and dumb. So you know what? Maybe it's time to tell professional baseball in America to take a hike. If you don't like it here in this country, go to Russia. I hear Putin will roll out the red carpet. You could have the Moscow Mets versus the Siberian Yankees. It's not a stretch for the Yankees when you think about it. They're used to playing in Siberia, only we call it the Bronx. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett.